Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of OrthoPod. My name is Mo Bhandari, the Editor-in-Chief uh, of uh, OrthoEvidence, and I'm here today with a friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Ala Ahmed, who is the uh, professor in the Palestine Polytechnic University, but also an adjunct professor um, at the University of Toledo in Ohio. Uh, of note, he also uh, has uh, leadership positions within CCOT, uh, an international organization in Spine, and he also is president-elect of uh, the World Orthopedic Concern. I can go on and on about his credentials, but uh, let me assure you that uh, he presents today with a lot of insight about uh, the management of casualties uh, worldwide, and specifically uh, the casualties that are currently uh, in his purview. Uh, Allah, thank you so much for spending uh, some time with us today. Um, and let me begin, if I could. Can you speak a little bit about sort of the mass casualties that you've been seeing, uh, or at least your colleagues have been seeing uh, during, you know, sort of the crises that we are seeing occurring uh, specifically in your region? Maybe you could speak to the orthopedic injuries, and then maybe we'll go specifically into the management and, and you know, and the needs you might be having uh, from uh, and how we can support that. Thank you. Uh Thank you uh, uh, for having me and thank you for uh, giving me the chance to share about uh, the experience that we have in the West Bank and Gaza and Palestine about mass casualty uh, management. Mainly I'll talk about since we don't have earthquakes, for example, or some environmental issues, it's the war. And uh, we can also separate it to uh, the problems that we have in the West Bank and in Gaza Strip. It's a little bit different. Uh, in the West Bank, mainly, uh, we see mass casualties of live bullet injuries uh, during uh, the attacks that uh, happen. And in Gaza, but in Gaza Strip, it's more dangerous. It's uh, mainly missile injuries, shrapnel injuries, beside live bullet injuries. And in Gaza Strip, it's much more as a quantity, a number of uh, patients that we have. Uh, in comparison to the West Bank, but still we have a lot also. So for example, you can have 600 people in the West Bank in one day as a casualty and uh, you need to uh, manage them. But in Gaza, you might have 2000 people in one day uh, to manage. So uh, this is the thing that uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to share our experience uh, about how to manage these cases sure. and in a low middle income country. Sure. And I think, I mean, it goes without saying, I've known you for many, many uh, years, Allah, and I know it goes without saying that all of us, you know, uh, around the world, uh, in any conflict there is around the world, uh, you know, understand that, you know, innocent victims of these on any side of that war, uh, it's a tragedy. And our goal is to help all victims of violence in any possible way. And I know you have that thing. So from that outset and from that general understanding, if we could maybe help me understand like what types of um, challenges do you have in the field or what are the field challenges with respect to the blast type injuries versus, as you said, the more missile bullet related injuries that are happening in various regions. And again, for any victim of violence that's occurring. Absolutely, absolutely. As, as you said, in any war, the civilians are uh, the most affected people. And uh, we can see that uh, here, of course, and I'm talking about mass casualty, of course, it's mainly uh, civilians. Sure. So uh, the, first of all is we have a problem of how to get the patient that was injured to the ambulance 
and get the management that is needed urgently before getting the patient to the hospital. And right. this is absolutely very important. And uh, the experience here in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, they have, uh, this is a good thing that there is a field hospital always in the site of the clashes, in the area of the clashes that is around, and this is mainly in the West Bank, uh, because uh, the, the field hospital is around 300 meters from the clashes, and there is an ambulance there, and it gets the patient to the field hospital. And in the field hospital, we have the first respondent. The first respondent is usually uh, an officer who had uh, training for nearly uh, a month, uh, how to deal with uh, uh, as a primary kind of management and uh, to do the first aid uh, for the patients. And if the patient doesn't need more than that, that's fine. But if the patient needs more than that, then they'll go to the ambulance that will get the patient to the hospital. In the ambulance that will get the patient to the hospital, there are two types of trained people. One, I, either one will be there, either uh, one who had basic training, which is five months, nearly four to five months of basic training and the intermediate training. But uh, we don't have a lot of paramedics who have a bachelor uh, until now. And these people will deal with the patient until the patient goes to the hospital for management. And this thing has been uh, improved with time in Gaza Strip because it's missile going everywhere. So you have always the ambulance, you have a basic or intermediate a professional personnel that will deal with the patient because the injuries are much worse uh, before going to the hospital. So what is the what are the problems that we face with these things? One of the problems, uh, one of the most important that we don't have still up to now, a graduate paramedic. People. Uh, now they are beginning a program and hopefully we can promote even the programs that already have courses for the basic and intermediate to promote them to be a graduate bachelor program. The other thing is that previously we didn't have a specialty called ER specialty. Now we are having an ER specialty. It began actually with the uh, uh, programs that was uh, supported by uh, NGOs uh, uh, from abroad. And we have now uh, graduate doctors, but still we don't have enough number. The third problem is that there is no still, there is no connection between the ER doctor and uh, the medical team and the medical team officers in the ambulance. We don't have the necessary facilities for that. And the fourth thing, for example, in the West Bank, until now, we don't have ICU ambulance. So uh, these are the problems that we face and hopefully uh, we can upgrade this service uh, to be appropriate for uh, the mass casualty management in the field before going to the ER. Can you, I mean, I, I imagine we all understand what the types of injuries you're seeing, but what are the most common injuries that you've been seeing that have been coming in? Open fractures. Yeah, open the most fractures. common. Sure. Extremities and 70% of the patients are having uh, lower or upper uh, extremity injuries, 
nearly all of them are open fractures and complicated fracture with or without vascular injuries. Sure, sure. And, and this idea, which is about having paramedics. So you're talking field officers, right? You're talking individuals that would be on the site being able to have um, the comfort of being able to do some limb and or life-saving procedures just yeah. as a temporary way to get, you know, sort of what we would consider the first responder, right, to a to yeah. the site. Okay. For example, if there is compressing the, the yeah. area, right, uh, trying to Splinting. put uh, sterile gauzes, trying to put a tourniquet if there is a severe bleeding, this yes. is all what they do. Putting always, always uh, the, the basic and the intermediate, not the field guy. Mm -hmm. uh, not the first responder. They are always trained to put a cannula as soon as possible. So as you know, Influence, the yeah. guy will have hypotension, still he or she will have some uh, uh, some possibility to have intravenous fluids. So right now in a typical typical day, typical month, what's, what's the sort of, um, I guess, number of, of injuries that you or the orthopedic community is, is seeing uh, right now in, in, in the area? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you an example, specific example. Sure. About one day, uh, not these days. These days are worse. But one sure. day in 2018. Sure. You had 600 patients in the ER. Not talking about the field. And 200 patients were admitted urgently to do surgery. And usually, when you do surgeries, you are having. Well, this is another thing that if we want to talk about how you manage the patients in the hospitals. Sure, right. So, so, so you have this overwhelming influx of injuries. Like this is true mass casualties that come in. Yeah. So when they come in, obviously there's the triage and I suspect you'll speak to a little bit about how you're deciding who gets to go and what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, speak to that a bit. Yeah, well, uh, this is another thing that was also promoted by uh, uh, by programs that were uh, uh, applicable to the region through highly experienced like MSF uh, organizations that given this program. So you have, for example, the patient will come to the ER, he or she will be seen in the triage. Actually, through in the mass casualties, you'll have a general surgeon. Within three minutes, he or she can decide where this patient would go. And now I'll talk about the West Bank and Gaza Strip. It's sure. a little bit different. different. Sure. Because in the West Bank, you have live bullets, not uh, missile injuries, and you have less number of patients. In the West Bank, the triage within three minutes, he or she will send the patient to the ER, and the levels are, he'll just write a checklist Actually, the levels are gas, orthopedic, moderate, severe. And then the patient will go to the ER. In the ER, there are, in the West Bank, for example, in the Central Hospital in Ramallah, we have 12 beds. And each bed, during the mass casualty, will have three personnel. A senior surgeon, ER specialist, and a nurse on each bed. And they'll manage the patient, putting cannulas, doing something, yeah. whatever they, uh, the patient needed. And they'll transfer the patient accordingly to the OR if the patient needs an OR. This is how it happens in the West Bank. But in Gaza Strip, the number are much more, the cases are much more complicated, uh, harder to deal with. Sometimes you don't have enough time 
to get the patients managed in the ER. So, for example, if you have any, any patient who's having upper or lower extremity injury, he or she will be transferred immediately to the ward. Immediately to the ward, not managed in the ER. Mm. And every, and of course, he or she will be managed by the uh, minimal issues, putting cannula, putting uh, uh, life-saving measures. Like. But in the, in the ward, every two hours, senior orthopedic surgeon will go through all the patients and will send uh, who will be sent and will decide who will be sent to the OR. For example, if you are having this patient with vascular injury, if you are having this patient uh, is having a life-saving problem, so it's uh, an emergency issue. This is how it happens. And I'll tell you about specific statistics, for example. Sure. And as a strip, they, in the first day, they do immediately all the patients who are having associated vascular injuries. And all of them will have X-fix and debridement and uh, 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 dealing with the vascular injury. In the second day, they'll do the cases who are having just orthopedic or traumatological problem not associated with vascular injury. And I'll give you just uh, some examples. For example, on this day that they had uh, 200 patients uh, went to the OR or needed the OR in an emergency, 73 surgeries were done in the first day. All of them had vascular injuries. On the second day, they had 65 cases who didn't have vascular injuries, but had trauma. Uh, and wow. on the third day, they had around 40 cases that would have uh, just trauma without any associated vascular injury. But the problem for all of these patients, whether they would have vascular or uh, uh, di just direct trauma, is that most of them are Gastello uh, 3 or 2, and they are very bad injuries. And right. you would need also reconstruction afterwards for these patients. So I imagine though that even with, I mean, so there's a clearly, um, you know, a paucity of resource, you know, in the sense of you need more frontline paramedics, you need to help them. And if they don't get optimized early, then within the hospital, there aren't probably anywhere near enough surgical ORs and beds to manage everybody, which means when they get managed, I'm guessing a lot, what's happening is they're being delayed. So, you know, open fractures that you would say, you know, based on best evidence, we should be doing fairly urgently. How long in some of the worst case scenarios are some of these fractures waiting um, if they're not getting for their definitive wound management? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Uh, for example, if you have a, a wound injury, open fracture in right. the leg and uh, you don't have vascular injury, they'll just put a posterior slab for you. Yes. Putting you on antibiotics and it just you will be delayed for one or two days. Okay. It's two days maximum, but it's very precious, actually two days. And imagine if it's a Gastello 2 and you're having, and at least- Right, right, the risk, yeah. Infected. Absolutely. Uh, you'll increase the incidence. And I'll talk to you about the osteomyelitis, maybe when we talk about uh, the management after being discharged from the hospitals. And the other thing is that sometimes with the mass casualty and with, for example, 50 days or 30 days, or like uh, nowadays it was 11 continuously uh, 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 war and civilians coming to you, 
hundreds of people. Uh, sometimes you, you must uh, having a turnover of the bed very right, soon. Right, that would be my point. So yeah. I guess there's a and, lot of people coming and leaving exactly pretty quickly. They, they send nursing uh, people to do nursing, but it's just minimal nursing. You know, if they need intravenous injections, for example, or some wound bright, nothing more than that. And that would increase, of course, the incidence of complications for these patients because it's an inappropriate atmosphere. Not so, talking about other issues. Right. So can you speak a little bit to, to the types of complications that now result because of all the different, you know, challenges that are there? So, I mean, you know, you're functioning within a system that is doing everything it can to help all the, you know, any victim of, of violence to get appropriate care. Um, but things are delayed. Um, you know, you don't always have all the resources you want. Patients come in, sometimes delayed. And then even with optimal treatments, they're, they're discharged a bit early. Um, you would imagine that there would be a very high risk for, for uh, you know, complications, infections being one of them, if open fractures are the primary, but can you speak a little bit to the, yeah. to what's happening with complications? Well, and then, what, and then maybe after that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your needs. Like what, what, what would be the critical needs right now um, as a practicing orthopedic surgeon, uh, you know, in Palestine? Well, we realized from our experience here that Plastic surgery is really very important. Closing the wound as soon as possible is very important. Having people to do flaps or cover the, the wound is very important, which will decrease the incidence of non-unions and infections and complications on the long run. And uh, because of that, now, for example, in Gaza, in the major hospital in Gaza, which is called the Shifa Hospital, it has 1,200 beds. It's a huge hospital. It's the biggest hospital in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. Uh, they have a reconstruction unit now. So you have vascular surgeon, plastic surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, a neurosurgeon that will deal as a team. And this decreased the complications a little bit. But I want to tell you something, that we thought that most of the patients, uh, when we do swabs or something like that and culture afterwards, it's negative. But the MSF have donated a lab to do uh, a bone culture, a bone biopsy culture. Right. And after that, they realized that 70% of the patients had osteomyelitis and oh, it was not diagnosed. Right. Okay. So uh, now, now with the reconstruction surgery, uh, we decreased the incidence of amputations. It was it was more than 50% actually. Now it's less than 20% in the last uh, data of, especially in Gaza, I'm talking about Gaza. Yeah. And uh, uh, hopefully they will decrease the incidence of infection. Now, the, one of the main problems, uh, it's because of many issues, but one of them, you don't have a real data. You don't have how many patients are Gastello 1 or Gastello 2 or Gastello 3. They are not registered appropriately. And you don't have a real data about the severity score of each patient. Yeah. You don't have a real data about the functional severity score after they go back home or on the long run. Actually, it is because of many things. Still up till now, there is no appreciation in our countries, in the low middle income countries about research and registering appropriately. And, but since 2018, they began registering in Gaza uh, with the help of uh, the MSF 
and they are doing very good. And they are beginning to have some data that you can depend on and share your knowledge and, uh, and improve your uh, service for the yes. people. You, know, you need to know what you are doing. Uh, and this is major issues. It's not, you know, you are one of the icons in, uh, in evidence-based medicine. And you know, this is the most important thing in, the, in our regions and in the low-middle income countries. It's not a priority, though it is a priority for the service, but research is not a priority. Getting, gathering the data appropriately is un unfortunate, it's not a priority. And this is one of the major issues that we need to, uh, to share and to do. So it seems that you've nicely uh, highlighted the real challenges, the you know the complications that are you know prevalent because of some of the challenges that you face in the low middle income country. Collecting data looks like it's one of the big gaps. Are there other big needs you've you know yeah, in your experience as a practicing surgeon there? Like what you know with respect yeah. to the casualties and care? Yeah, well, uh, promote uh, promote uh, skills in in plastic surgery. It's very important. For example, how we, we are not having uh, efficient, for example, number of people to do uh, flabs, uh, for example, for these patients. So uh, until now, we don't have enough vascular surgeons. We don't okay. have enough plastic surgeons, enough okay. number that can deal with the mass casualty appropriately on a level. Yeah. For example, we, uh, for example, in the West Bank, in the Central Hospital of the West Bank, in Ramallah, mm. we have only uh, one set of interlocking nets. That's it. So uh, you cannot, even if you don't, if you have Castillo one, for example, and you can put just an interlocking nail within 20 minutes and they can do it within 20 minutes, but you cannot do it with many patients because you have only one set. Okay, and, so you have to, yeah, right. Yeah, and you have one set, for example, for vascular. And uh, so it's a little bit, uh, uh, we need some to have more instruments in this field that can, uh, deal with these mass casualty issues Understood. and promote skills, promote skills in plastic surgery, in vascular surgery, uh, in those banking system. Right. And it seems that you're really now moving towards this, you know, sort of the multidisciplinary care model uh, and doing everything to maximize in a very austere environment. And I know you've written a textbook on this topic, uh, having had the uh, privilege of participating in it. And so clearly you are an expert in the world uh, on this issue. And, you know, in some ways, Allah, I'm sure you wish you weren't the expert, right? Because when you weren't the expert, you know, you wouldn't have to be managing mass casualties uh, in a very difficult, austere environment. Is there anything else you'd like to leave um, some of our uh, surgeons and uh, our physiotherapists, our uh, allied healthcare professionals who represent the 70,000 members that are ortho evidence? Any final parting message for them? Of course, of course. Actually, you know, we realize that there is a, what we call the golden 10 minutes in the beginning after having the injury. If you have a good paramedics, you'll save lives, you'll uh, improve uh, uh, the long run uh, results of these people. Paramedics is crucially important in our work. And also after whatever you would do, if you don't have a good physiotherapist, if you don't have a rehabil good rehabilitation center, uh, you, you'll, you'll go in a mess. Actually, even talking about orthopedic, 
because the patients need to be involved in the management and need to have appropriate physiotherapy plan, need to have, because it's a long, uh, 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 a long time work and long plan. And believe me with these patients who are having depressions and some emotional issues, and beside, you know, uh, missing some of their families also. So you need to have an excellent physiotherapist that can deal with this complicated emotional, physical issue. And believe me, I've seen how much physiotherapist is important and the rehabilitator is important in dealing with these cases and getting them even appropriately functional, much better than we can think. It's not just surgery. On that note, uh, Dr. Al Ahmed, uh, thank you so much for taking some time. I know your mind is probably elsewhere as you've been managing countless, uh, countless, countless thousands of patients who I think are in many ways are indebted to you for your care. So uh, thank you very much for spending a bit of time with, uh, with us on Ortho Evidence.